Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know where you are, and you should know who this is. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast, and I've got with me our new co-host, Mike Marino. Mike, say hello to all the good people back at home. Hey, hey, world. Yeah, I guess we got two ho- co-hosts now. We're real Cashflow Guys now. It's like co-chief, <laughs> right? Yeah. Don't see that, what was that? The office. It's like, yeah, I'm... Was it co-chief or was that? Oh no, that was. I'm trying to think. Was that Seinfeld? It's like uh, which one were you <laughs> in the office? Right. I feel oh, like kind of like Dwight. <laughs> Don't, I think all of them are offensive. You can be. <laughs> I well actually, but I I don't know. I'm a mix between Dwight and Michael. I could see you more as the uh, what's the smart one that had the hot chick. Oh gosh, it's uh, been a while. What the hell's his name? <laughs> I can't believe I remember that. Um, anyway, let's get on with the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember a damn thing. <laughs> oh God, hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, this week we're going to talk about diagnosing problems to solve, which. Mike, as you well know, that's fitting because that's what we're going through right now. We do that with every every asset we bring online or we even consider to bring online is we need to figure out why is it for sale? Because a lot of times, as we've discovered, you know, we've had those conversations, Mike, where we ask, ask the seller, ask the broker. They don't necessarily share that information with us. And um, the flip side of that, the other side of that is, is that they don't often know really what the best and highest and best use is of the asset they own. It, which is part of the reason why they're selling it. Any thoughts on that? Traditionally, like the past five, ten years ago, everyone thought if you buy a multifamily property, you're either going to long or now you could short-term rent it, right? So there's pretty much two options that you could think of. Right. But now everything's changed, right? Interest right. rates are higher. Purchase price is higher. A lot of people are, are, are kind of frustrated that yep. the deals, the it doesn't always cash flow in the traditional way that you would think to use a property. So that's why now more than ever, you have to think of right. what other ways could this thing make me money? I'm going to throw a little paradigm shift out there to those listening. We talk about, we hear this a lot in the, on the Facebook groups and the investment groups and talk about compressed cap rates. That means basically reduced return. And let me be clear. Let me set your mind straight. Compressed cap rates are a decision. In other words, you make a, a, a decision, logical or otherwise, to, to buy an asset. At what level are you going to renovate the asset? How are you going to value at it? What exactly are you going to do? How much you're going to spend? And most importantly, what is your exit strategy? And what does that look like? How much are you going to sell it for? So I believe that a compressed cap rate is a signal to tell you that investors that are buying off the shelf uh, – paying retail or close to retail on these deals when they're putting some value add into it, they're deciding to accept less than standard returns. That's my idea of a compressed cap rate. And Mike, I know what we've discovered is that, and we've looked at a lot of assets. Would would you agree? (laughs) Yeah. It's been a, it's been a fun journey. (laughs) Yeah. And, And a lot of that comes down to, we certainly do not have all the answers. No. So we're not here to tell you that we've got some super secret sauce that nobody else has ever thought about. However, what we've figured out is that there's a lot of people that are simply taking things at face value. Oh, it's for sale for $3 million. I should buy it for that and not even have a discussion on price, not even have a discussion on, on terms. And when the, you know, the contractor gives you a bid, you leave it at that, which I talk about that on the show. But when we look at on the big scale, like you're going to go out and spend a chunk of my, big chunk of money on a total renovation, 
I'm not asking you to beat up the contractor on their cost, but maybe you're going to change how you're going to renovate it. And I'm not talking about cutting corners because it's quote-unquote a rental. We covered that a few episodes ago. That drives me crazy. And maybe changing how we use it. And we're doing that right now with our, our big property we bought recently is we've looked at a couple different scenarios. We, we Our original idea absolutely makes sense, but is there something that makes more sense? With those strategies, You could we could fix it and just flip it as it is. We could sell it and as it is, flip it as it is with no work into it and make profit, right? So on day one, we're in good shape. We've got plenty of equity. Well, I shouldn't say plenty. I'm greedy capitalist pig. I, don't, I never have plenty, but I have... <laughs> Enough to make me smile <laughs> and to, I think, isolate us, insulate us from any major market downturns. That's the beauty, guys, is you make your money when you buy, right? We have we have room to play in there when we also have time. Now, we don't want to take forever making decisions because we our goal is to make sure that we give ourselves and our investors a nice, juicy return and continue to do that. So if we stall too long or take too much time doing that, it works against our returns. But you could just take a property, let's say, I don't know, let's talk about a 20-unit building. I have to ask yourself, what works for this? I've seen a trend recently where a lot of the old roadside motels, Mike, you've driven by these on the side, like on US-19, all the way up the state, from one end of the state to the oh, other, yeah. the old roadside roadhouse or whatever they were. Mm-hmm. They are small little rooms, and I'm seeing people buying these, and they're repurposing them into different things. Instead of being hotels, or even Airbnb type things, because they're usually in remote areas. It's not like somebody wants to drive to Chiefland, Florida on vacation. But they're going to um, they're they're looking to change these into housing because one thing we know to be true, in a lot of areas in America, there's a massive housing shortage. I know you're running into that in Colorado, correct? Big time. Yeah. I mean it, it's so bad out here that the city has authorized if you've got at least a part time job, you're allowed to live in your car. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's called the SOS program. It's wow. it's it's pretty sad, but when it, we're at a level where uh, I mean, it's like you said, you're astonished by the idea of living in your car as an alternative because you can't find a place to to sleep at night. It's it's crazy, but yeah, it's a problem. I'd have to upgrade the Jeep. You could live in your car. You got a, <laughs> a, you you've got that cool camper van, but I I'm not that. that. I'm a little too big to live in my Jeep. I think. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, the Jeep is small enough driving it, let alone living in it. I couldn't imagine that. That's amazing. (laughs) So that really is sending a screaming alarm that we have a national housing crisis, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls at home. So the question becomes, what can we do? How do we diagnose that problem? We can't go back and change what's already happened. Is that fair? We can't change what already happened as far as the price and everything, but like we're kind of getting into what other options will make everybody happy? More importantly, the city. Or the most of the people happy. You can't fix them all, right? We can't make everybody happy, but how do we get the majority? That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. We've seen this. And by going to, so guys, this begins with figuring out what works. And I know that there's a lot of you out there and a lot of folks I talk to, they're, they're more along the lines of begging for forgiveness than asking for permission. And to some degree, I agree with you. But like, for example, the Airbnb model. There are people doing Airbnb all over the country, and you may have a, you may think in some parts it's illegal, and I'm just saying that with air quotes. In other parts, it's perfectly legal. Some parts they enforce it, other parts they don't. Key West is militant when it comes to have the Airbnb model, the short-term rental model. We talked about that before, but then if you say no, then what does work? And here's a great example, Mike. And I haven't even told you this story yet, but you know I got that new apartment in in Key West. Oh yeah. So the apartment is 
awesome. It's a cool little apartment. I got a ridiculous deal, but it's got one major flaw. It has no parking at all. Not on, on it, no off street parking, which in, when you live in Key West guys, it doesn't matter if you have getting on street or off street parking is almost impossible. So you give that one up, but on street parking generally in a lot of areas, you can park down, you know, in front of your house or somewhere near your house. But in this place, I'm so in such a cool little area, it's all paid parking right out in front of my place. So I have to go like four or five blocks to park the Jeep to go somewhere. Now, granted, we don't drive our car very much. I literally, this first time I've driven the Jeep in a month was yesterday, but that's a problem. It's a big problem. So how do you solve it? You know, you go in and get groceries is a pain in the butt when you're getting like a bunch of Gatorade and some bottled water or whatever. You're not humping that on your bicycle. It's just not practical. So you either need to take a cab or take your vehicle. So what I... We did a lot of research, and we, we went on the city's website, City Key West website, hit a brick road. You can get the eight-hour permit. You can park in paid parking for eight hours. It costs you $300 a month to do that. I was like, wow. I could use the meter, which would cost me $45 a day to park in front of my own house. Obviously not an option. Yeah, seriously. And, of course, I could just walk four or five blocks, which isn't terrible, but it kind of sucks when it's hot out and you've got a case of water or two cases of water you got to carry home. Not a lot of fun. I could buy a little red wagon. But my apartment is small. My yard is smaller. Where am I going to put a red wagon when I'm not using it, right? It's a pain in the butt. The interesting solution here is Jill got a parking ticket. Well, Tyler got one too. But Jill, being more more uh, inquisitive than me, I just said, hey, I had the hazard, the blinkies on, and we were moving when I got the ticket, and they dismissed the ticket. But they didn't offer any solution. They just said, we'll waive the ticket. Great. So I didn't get... After that, I've been paranoid, but Jill got one ticket, and then she got a second ticket. And the second time, she was pissed off. She was pretty mad the second time because it was a problem, and we were still moving. So she complained via email to the city and said, hey, I shouldn't say she complained. She brought the point, we live in a block where we can't get resident parking. See, if you're a resident in Key West, you can get a residential parking pass. And if there's a residential spot on that block, you can park there. But she said, okay, we need a different solution. And, and Jill just graduated the ambassador program like I did. So she knows the people to talk to, the, the parking division, and she knows uh, she's met all these people. And she says, how do we solve this problem? Because we live in a block that's right off Duval, and it's a place where there's no resident parking. And we're getting, not getting any younger. It's not fun driving, walking five blocks with a case of water. Long story short, there's a special permit we could buy just for our block. It was 120 bucks for the year, and now I can park the Jeep, the Jeep right in front of our house, literally in paid parking 24 hours a day. I just got to move it every three days. So there's an example. We had to keep go digging and going down the road, but we didn't, Jill, in this case, not me, didn't give up. I gave up and thought, screw it, I just got to walk five blocks. But there you go. You pick up the phone, you just get on the phone with the experts, and instead of complaining, she wasn't complaining, she was being inquisitive. Hey, Gene, or whoever his name is, how do we solve this? Can we get a residential spot put in our block? He's like, no, but there's this one, there's this pass, and you can pay for it and problem solved. This is about asking questions. Mike, you ask a lot of questions. You're out there in Colorado doing doing your thing. Well, it's true because that's how you've learned about your market. It wasn't by sitting home and making coming to conclusions without any basis. In fact, you went out and asked questions, yes? That's right. I mean, everyone gets so complacent they think they can go online and get all the answers. But now that everything is changing, and more importantly, like you mentioned, with Airbnb, short-term rentals, the city council is militant in some areas like Key West. you got to be really careful about what your exit options are. So right. go talk to them. You know, we, we had this on a previous episode. Like, uh, you got me addicted <laughs> to listening to city council meetings. Yeah. 
when everyone else is asleep, I just I watch it on YouTube, right? Because I, I don't have time to go down to the city all the time. But if you watch it on YouTube, you get these hints of what the city wants. And just like Jill did, where she kind of poked her product to see what the solution was. Right. And when you buy a multifamily property, even a single family property, in order to determine what you can do, ask those questions. Or at least listen to them, get the clues, and then go down to the city hall and say, hey, this is what I'd like to do. Can I do it? If the answer is no, what can I do? That hits the nail on the head. That's going down to the city, going down to the county, talking to local real estate attorneys that have solutions in this. When you and I were going through the trying to figure out the short-term rental thing in Key West, one of the steps that we took was sitting down with a local, not Sean Yesner, nothing that we love Sean, but Sean's not a local Key West attorney. He doesn't work with city council in Key West. He's up in Tampa. He can handle pretty much everything we need in the state of Florida. But when it comes to Key West-specific business, Sean himself will tell you, Let's get you connected with somebody in Key West. And we were able to make that connection, met a great attorney, learned a lot from the process, and were able to know what to do, what not to do. And if we come up with an idea, guys, if Mike and I come up with some idea, we can vet it through the real estate attorney if it's a zoning thing or a future land use thing. And the attorney could say, yes, we can defend that. That will fly. Or, and you need permission from so-and-so, and I can help you with that. Or not. Attorneys do more than sue people. I want you guys to know that. Attorneys are negotiators, at least should be. Uh, they can help you navigate City Hall, especially if they're in, connected with City Hall. Uh, local business owners, as we found in Tarpon Springs, Mike, local business owners have been a great resource for us. Going downtown, you know, what do you guys want? You own a Greek food restaurant. You've been here for 20 years. What is the What do the Tarpon Springs sponge docks need? Well, they need a boutique hotel. They need housing for older persons. They need a place for affordable, some sort of affordable housing for the Gen X millennial that doesn't want the responsibility of a big fancy apartment because they're smarter. The Gen X are smarter than, than our generation, Mike, where they're not going to overextend themselves. They're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. They need a place to lay their head, a place to plug in their MacBook and do their work. And they live outside. They want to go out and have fun. They travel, they do stuff. They make millions of dollars off of a iPad when the rest of you're flying planes and I'm selling houses to make less than them. Hey, got to embrace it, right? Yeah, um, talking to your local chamber of commerce. Yeah, yeah. I, I know a, a lot of people. Let, let's say you live in like you do in Key West, and you're looking. The numbers don't work there, so you want to invest somewhere else, uh, Oklahoma, let's say, because a, a lot of I hate to say a lot of gurus are pushing. Well, look, uh, look at the Midwest, or look at places that right. you don't live in. Well, that's that's great, but just keep in mind what we're talking about here to give you the options for the best use of that property which aka the most profit in your pocket, you have to talk to people out there. Yes. You can't do everything remotely online. Investing in Oklahoma is great, but you got to get on a plane, go over there, walk around town, just like Tyler was saying. He, he literally walked around Tarpon Springs asking people, hey, what do you guys, th- would you be okay if there was a boutique hotel? Oh my gosh, we, there's no hotel in Tarpon Springs. We need that definitely. Right. So you have to be boots on the ground, even if you want to uh, invest remotely. Hundred percent. I want to tell them the story, Mike. Both of us tell the story about the liquor store that you that we were working with on in Colorado. <laughs> so, guys, we look in in multiple markets now. For the fund, where our primary focus is in Florida, but we're always keeping our eye out for other opportunities. Mike's boots on the ground in Colorado. There's a ton of opportunity out in Colorado as well. They like Key West and many cities. Most cities in Florida have pretty much a housing crisis. Is it? It's fair to say statewide, isn't it, Mike? Well, like I mentioned, the SOS program where it's legal to sleep in your car, its uh, I was shocked to hear it, but it just shows you it's legit. And 
It's pretty much legal here too. It's just they don't like to talk about it because they don't want to. We'll have every van lifer on the planet coming to Key West. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. I guess we shouldn't say anything more about that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Oh God, get out of my front yard. You're in my parking spot. Anyway. <laughs> so this well, begins with getting the the city being on board with changing the idea, the intended use for a property. And you ran into that with that liquor store. And so they kind of give me the, the high points of what the, you discovered liquor store. What were, let's talk about that. Yeah. So in my market out in Colorado, like we just talked about, the affordable housing issue is the hot topic. And I'm not just saying that because I saw it on Fox News or CNN or whatnot. Right. In city council meetings, literally every meeting they bring up, we have a problem with affordable housing. We need housing that's within, they actually were very specific, actually, this rent range, or a lot of uh, communities do, this per, like 50% of the average median income for the town. By the way, those are good numbers to know anywhere you, you're looking at. 50% so, of the average median income of the town. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So, and anyway, what I'm starting to see is a lot of municipalities out here in Colorado with this issue, they're looking to expand mixed use. Now, okay, mixed use is, remember back in the day, the downstairs was a bakery, then you had the loft. Somebody was living literally upstairs above the bakery, and they were a tenant. Right. So that building is a mixed use, mixed commercial residential. So is that what so, you ran into here at the liquor store? Exactly. So now in this town, I saw one side of this duplex, it looked like, was a liquor store. And then the other side used to be actually a bakery that was converted into what is now an Airbnb. And Interesting. Yeah. So you look at it. Well, okay, there's somebody living next to a liquor store. The city is all about it because they want to utilize as much space as possible. So what used to be, oh, you can only be commercial only. Now you go to the city and now they're open-minded in order, as long as you're fulfilling their needs, which in this case is to provide, uh, uh, provide affordable housing. But how is an Airbnb next to a liquor store affordable housing? I don't well, really see that as a solution. Well, I, I, I see what you're saying, yeah. But more importantly, they were able to make it residential. Now, whether you do an Airbnb or not, that's, of course, another topic for another right. show that you probably already had. But just the fact of the matter is that the cities are opening up commercial. And matter of fact, out here, the city I'm talking about, they're opening up industrial zoned areas to now be mixed use, a.k.a. you could put a, a house in there. You could put an affordable housing solution, a residential solution in those areas. Think about affordable housing. You know, in a lot of markets, I struggle with the phrase affordable housing. It's easy to say, but when there's when we live in an inflationary environment, which is just America today, and that's not a political statement. We've been inflating as a country since we were founded. That's just the reality because, you know, in, in 1776, the rent in Boston Commons is a hell of a lot less than it is now. And that's not Joe Biden's fault. That's not Donald Trump's fault. That's called fact, right? What we know, here's what we know. I don't care what state or, or you're in, rent never goes down. Never goes down. And I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we just, that's just how, what that's what, that's fact. That's what it is. So here we have a building. We've got four walls on the outside. If we're facing it, we have a liquor store on the right and a, an Airbnb, two apartments, Airbnb on the left. I'm going to go ahead and, and reach out and say probably not the highest and best use 
of those four walls, that square footage. And it certainly doesn't check the box of affordable housing. So let's throw the affordable housing discussion out the window because even the mayor of Key West said recently, we can't fix the problem. She admitted it. There's still, and I've, I have a lot of respect for the mayor of Key West. And again, it's not a dig on the mayor of Key West, but she's a smart woman and she knows that she can't legislate her way out of this problem. No municipality can. New York, Chicago, LA, they all tried it with rent control. They'd been rent control for 40 years and you still can't get an apartment for a decent amount in any one of those cities. So that's just fact, right? So let's put affordable housing aside and let's just say housing that makes sense. Because what we, we all should be in a position to where we're bettering ourselves every year. And if we're not, that's the first step. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but we got four, four walls and we have a liquor store in there paying how much rent, Mike? Do you remember offhand? Just throw out a number if you if you don't. You're going to cringe. Exam. The liquor store is paying two thousand a month. All expenses, all utilities paid by the landlord. What? <laughs> I Including took a look electric? at the electric bill. Electric bill was one thousand dollars a month. Oh my because god! Because they've got all these the coolers, obviously for the beverages. Whatnot. That's right. I remember you telling me that. So right out of the gate, the landlord's writing a check for a thousand dollars a month before we could even get into debt service if he has it. And whether it doesn't matter whether he has it, even without debt service, he's only taking in a thousand dollars a month for a retail spot. How about how big is it? You ballpark me. Thousand square foot, two thousand square foot, ten thousand square foot. I'd I'd guess around two thousand square feet. Okay, so two thousand yeah. square foot. So he's he's just losing his shorts. Oh okay. My gosh. So is it fair to say this is a underutilized building? And I know people at home are like, well there's Airbnb, so you're automatically gonna get rich off of that. Wrong. Just no. because it's an Airbnb does not mean you're going to get rich off it. Matter of fact, you can lose your shorts with an Airbnb. I know lots of people that have, again, topic for a different episode. So we have, we're back to four walls. We have a, 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 a liquor store. We can't, if we buy it as it sits, Mike, does it cash flow? No. Does it even? Because that, because that liquor store, yeah. So how do we, do we, can we just rate So how much should the liquor store pay? About five grand a month? Five grand and they pay the electric. Because the electric, it, the electric's a ticking time bomb. You know, the landlord could, has no control of that. <laughs> okay, so that's cool. Well, then why the hell didn't you just buy it, raise the rent to five grand, and make it pay his own power bill? I mean, that seems like a simple solution. I know the answer, though, ladies and gentlemen, because you can't do that because the liquor store will pack up and leave, which would probably be a blessing in disguise. Exactly. It's easy, and a, and a lot of these, a lot exactly. of folks are doing that. You know, you buy a hundred unit building and you put uh, granite countertops in. And you take the rent from 900 to 1400 and then they can't figure out why everybody moved the hell out. Now, if you're doing that intentionally to, to, uh, gentrify the building, fine, knock yourself out. But if you're, if you're not underwriting for that mass exodus, if you're making that much of a rent increase, and that's pretty common these days, that's pie in the sky. However, where it becomes not pie in the sky, boys and girls, is that people are willing to pay it because there are no other options out there. If everybody in town, a little neighborhood, Think about it. If you've got a five-mile radius, all the big apartment buildings in a five-mile radius all decide to get together and raise their rents from 900 to 1400 you're either leaving the city that it's in, going to a completely different area, that's no fun, or paying it. So what do you think most people do? They pay it. That's obviously a slippery slope to go down. So how do we make this better? How do we take that same set of four walls, or let's go on the flip side. We can Airbnb it because we all get rich off of that, right? We can Airbnb it, and we can just hope to get all the vacationers show up and keep wanting to spend money. Now, that's what's going on in Key West. 
and people are still paying, but everything has its breaking point. So at some point, you can't just charge more and make that solve all the problems in the world. You have to change how you structure that asset to generate more revenue. So as Mike and I were, were beating this thing around the bush a couple of weeks back, a couple of months back, one of the things that we talked about, Mike, was emptying out the whole place. Yeah, getting rid of the liquor store. By the way, is it still in the market? No, we went off market. He, he couldn't sell it. What a shame. So we just took it off. Right? Okay, so here's a, here's a case where the seller wants to sell. Maybe he lacks the motivation to sell, but maybe he really needs to sell. And his realtor or broker, whoever he's dealing with, probably doesn't have any other idea but sell it as it is and then raise the rents. And that's all they, they come up with. That's unfortunate because at the end of the day, if what if we bought the building, gutted the inside, and put like some sort of a co-living arrangement in there? Obviously, the liquor store is not a value-add. It's not a value-add from a criminal perspective because, you know, <laughs> come on, it's a liquor store. What are you going to attract at a liquor store? We don't need that element in our building. So we can get rid of liquor store. And I'm not going to, maybe it's time for the guy to retire anyway. He's been there for 35 years. Enjoy your retirement, sir. Have a nice day. We've elected not to renew your lease. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be, you know, I'm shutting off the damn power in that place at $1,000 a month for electric bill. Good gravy. How many apartments could you, how many small studio type apartments do you think you could feasibly squeeze in there with a common, with a common bathroom, shared bathroom? Into that one side, you could probably put two, maybe, maybe three, because there is a basement also. Just on one side of the building. Okay. So 2,000 square foot, right? You said 2,000 square foot on the liquor store side. Liquor store side, yeah. So in my opinion, if that's 2,000 square foot, you could at least put, I would say four apartments. And stick with me, guys. You're like, no way. My house is two grand, 2,000 square foot. I don't have enough room. That's because you have too much crap that's not making you wealthy. It's making you poor. You could easily squeeze four apartments in that same space. So if you take four apartments in that same space, you're going to have to add electrical. It's not, that's not the end of the world. So you, the build exterior of the building is, is not going to change. The interior is. So you're going to put walls up. You're going to put, let's say, four apartments in there. So four apartments in there, let's say your build cost is, I don't know, because really what are you building? You're building a room and one bathroom. So four rooms and one bathroom. Let's say it's, I don't know, let me go quick math, $20 a square foot, right? So $20 a square foot, and we've got $2,000 or 2,000 square foot. We're going to spend $40,000 in rehab. And out of that foot, so basically that's uh, $10,000 per door and a not accounting for the bathroom. So let's say we spend 50 total, right, on that the whole building. $50,000 gives us four apartments and a bathroom, a common bathroom. Mm-hmm. What do you think someone will pay per month for a room with a bathroom in a place where there's a housing crisis? The answer is probably a lot, a lot more than you might think. I guarantee you it's not $200 a month. I bet you in that town, Mike, what's the average market rent of a one-bedroom apartment in that town? 1500 Okay, so 1500 gets you an apartment with your own bathroom and you don't have to share anything. Is it reasonable to think that you could probably get 800 to 1000 yep. for a shared bathroom scenario? I'm going to go ahead and say hell yes, all day long. Yeah. Uh, easy peasy. And maybe then you test the Airbnb type short-term rental business model in one of those four units to provide someone maybe if they you know maybe that if the market supports it maybe you do that and gets a little extra revenue hell maybe you do the whole thing that way if it makes sense but that's just one example boys and girls how you can take an existing four walls now you're like well tyler it's not zoned for that it's zoned commercial for a liquor store yes but zoning can be changed going back to the beginning of this episode mike we talked about bringing our team on our attorney that's going to interpret the zoning figure out how we can make our case to the city or the county whoever it may be to change the zoning ask for a uh, some sort of 
of a, a variance to make this a legitimate. And I'm not saying, guys, this is works in every single market because it doesn't. Every city government is different. My point is, here's an example. We could take that crappy investment. What do you want? How much do you want for it? It was stupid how much you wanted for it. 900000 $900,000. Well, unfortunately, his broker lied to him because he shouldn't have let him to believe he could get anywhere near that. But the bottom line is the thing still, the guy wants to sell, probably wants to sell. Maybe he won't get 900000 but maybe he could get four, five, six, seven hundred thousand. Maybe, because we haven't even talked about, Mike, that was one side of the building. Maybe that becomes an eightplex because the Airbnbs could be redistributed, changed into maybe four more units. Hell, for that matter, maybe we could put it, instead of a flat roof? Okay, I hate flat roofs, but in this case... I, well, guys, you wonder yeah, why I hate roof, flat roofs because yeah. they are, they don't last as long. They hold water, in, in his case, snow in, Cal- in uh, Colorado. But if you have a flat roof, it's a hell of a lot easier to add a second story if you have a flat roof than if you have a pitched roof. Oh, yeah. So maybe this thing is ripe for a second story. I don't know. But it's oh, worth talking to the building department. Sure. It's worth talking to the zoning department. It's worth getting maybe a GC out there to spitball this thing because maybe it makes sense to buy this thing because then if we've got eight units on the bottom and we have eight units on the top, that's 16 doors. What's 16 doors worth at $1,000 a door? The answer is a hell of a lot more than what the seller is asking. Yes, you have construction costs. I get that. But the bottom line is here's a clear example of how you can repurpose a building, change how it's being used to maximize its efficiency without implementing the catch-all, I'm just going to Airbnb it. Like every wholesaler, you know, they got they got places in the hood you can get murdered even checking in, and they're like, this will be great for Airbnb. It's like there's bars in the windows, bro. Yeah, exactly. It's like there, there's crime scene chalk on the sidewalk. That's not an Airbnb. You know, <laughs> I don't care how cute you furnish it. You're going to get robbed and beaten even going there. Yeah. Here's a classic example of this. But we still have a problem left. We have one problem with this property that we identified, Mike. Oh, Parking. So let's talk about that. What, how, what was the problem? Parking. Yeah. So because this was a liquor store, this little building was built in the 40s, right? And in the in the 40s, most towns were very walkable. Well, this particular town is extremely walkable, and that's what it's kind of it's known for. Right. How? And that's great for a liquor store. If you walk across the street, that's fine. But if you're, you're going to have tenants in there and people actually living, they got to park their car. Yep. Because unlike big cities like New York. Or boss or whatnot, you still need a car to get around to get to the airport or whatnot. So the problem with that is it, you can't park on the street. There's two parking spots available in the back. That was the big problem because it was designed as a liquor store. Yeah, can you go out there and just buy any commercial building and make it a, a 16 unit apartment complex? No, because you've got to go to the city. You've got to figure out okay, what do I need for parking? What do I need for electric meters? Uh, and obviously, what type of zoning will the city allow correct over and above that so initially guys you guys listening home you're thinking well the deal's done then there's no i mean two parking spaces 16 doors that's never going to work i beg to differ because what i didn't tell you is that one block away is an empty lot that will hold by ada standards 40 cars that lot is for sale for twenty-eight thousand dollars. so is it reasonable to buy that lot at the same time one block away oh easy yeah pave that bad boy or i don't care if you scrub it and put gravel down and provide parking, the parking stops, and have your tenants park a block away. I walk three blocks, was walking three blocks minimum to get back and forth to my Jeep every time I parked it in Tarpon, in here in Tarpon Springs in Key West. Now I've solved that problem, but I was committed to walking those three to five blocks every time I want to get in the car, no matter what. And hell, I walk to work. I live on, you know, on right off Duval Street, but I'm four blocks from my office. I walk four blocks twice a day. 
I walk home. I walk to work in the morning to the office. I walk to walk, walk home for lunch, come back, and then do it again. So I do that four times a day, every day. And sometimes I don't, I don't go home for lunch. Sometimes I sit here and create content and all that. But bottom line is easy problem to solve, right? That's, that's right. And it all is about looking around, looking outside and not like we started this conversation, looking at apartment complex, just thinking I can only do one thing with it. Look around, see what options you have. Right. And so let's, let's talk about up in, um, and I just came from Jersey city, right? Cause I was flying. I landed in Newark in Jersey city. Lucky you. Now, I, I hate to admit, I, I grew up on long Island and I remember my mother said, never go to Jersey. City. That's a dangerous place. Don't be walking around there, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, the taxi's taking us to the hotel. I'm like, okay, what am I going to see? Well, I don't know. If the, Crime. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. Filth. But you know what? The whole area is completely gentrified. These old factories still have like the little smokestacks and everything from the turn of the century. They're converted to these beautiful condos. Really? Beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, they repurpose the old pipes to make it kind of like, you know, that industrial living look. That's huge. So now Jersey City is a beautiful place. I didn't see any crime. Very clean. Everybody seemed pretty happy in there. In these old repurposed buildings. I, I personally love the whole industrial look. I dig that because it's answering the question, what can this building provide? What's its highest and best use? And clearly making widgets is not it. Exactly. And like you said, it's four buildings and a roof. So it can house people. We just have to solve problems yep. in order to make that happen. That's correct. In New England, I see this a lot with old mills. And well, I was in Providence, Rhode Island for two years. I lived up there when I was working with Noah back in the early 20, 2011, 12. And they used to take big three-story houses. And they have a staircase that goes right up the center of them. And they turned each house went into like mm. six or eight apartments, depending on the size of the house. And they were really cool apartments. They weren't like trashy you know, walk up nasty apartments. No, they were gorgeous. I mean, you walk in there, it's like, wow. I had a friend that lived in one. His place was like on the fourth floor, which was normally the attic, but it was really cool. It was all finished and it was amazing. Had a really cool view. Coffee shop, like, you know, half a block away, ice cream shop, Italian bar. It was in the Italian side of uh, of uh, Providence. It was fantastic. I mean, oh my God, it was awesome. So the question becomes, Mike, how can somebody take action from what we talked about today? What does that mean? What do I do? What is my next step? Yes, because I know not everyone can go out and buy an old factory and make it condos. That doesn't work for the average job. How do we take the same concept and bring it to what people, listeners, can actually use? Well, for starters, they will sometimes donate you these buildings, or you can lease them for 99 years. Fact. Oh, I forgot about that. That's right. To start it, first, like I mentioned, we have to go to city council meetings, find out what the city wants. Because if you're solving the city's problem, they're going to help you out. And a little tidbit on that, too. When you listen to city council meetings over and over, they keep repeating the same buzzwords, right? So now, use that buzz, buzz, buzzwords to your advantage. Yes. So when you're going in front of the, uh, the zoning commission, use that buzzword. Well, in order to solve buzzword blank, Guess what? You said the magic word, and now they might be able to help you. They might be able to rezone an industrial or commercial to a residential, so now you can utilize it the way you want to. Amen. One question there, though. When you say, what does the city want? Do you mean the mayor, or do you mean the populace, or what do you mean? Every time I watch city council, I always grew up thinking the mayor was like the mafia boss of the town. <laughs> no. He's really not. He's just the guy with the gavel at city council meetings, just kind of keeping every, the, pretty much the moderator. <laughs> right. But it's really city council. 
And in some of these meetings, you'll see the public come in and voice their opinions or contractors or whatnot. And it's the whole voice and the atmosphere of the city council that makes the big decisions, not just the mayor. There you go. I've had success with building relationships with reputable contractors. We have a really reputable contractor in Tarpon Springs. Mm. He has on his employee architects that really have a clear understanding of what the town needs, how to build it, how to navigate city council, how to make things happen. Real estate appraisers have been another one. Uh, real estate appraisers, guys, they, they do more than just come up with price, guys, or value of property. They're required by the by their duties to know what's happening in a marketplace and be clear on what's happening when there are shifts, when markets are increasing or declining. They have to know that stuff. That's part of the thing because, frankly, they're required to document that in each and every appraisal report they do. Uh, the contractors and the architects, like you mentioned, is big because you it's all, everything starts out with an idea. You get an idea after listening to city council, oh, maybe I can convert it to, I don't know, assisted living facility or whatnot. Well, now the next... If you have a contractor that you know you have a beer with, you got them on speed dial, call them up. Do you have any experience building this? Do you have any experience dealing with zoning department to adapt it to that? Do you have any architect friends that can help me design it? So you have to – first, it always starts with an idea. But after that, you need to have contacts within the city, you know, architects, contractors to bounce those ideas off of. Because every episode, we always keep talking about the same thing. Having contacts and networking – so you're acting as a team and you're not just, you know, uh, Joe Bob who wants to buy a, a factory and convert it. It doesn't work that way. You have to think like the big dogs, right? We have to have friends in the no places. This is a clear example of the question. The only stupid question is the one you don't ask. It really is. I don't have any solutions on day one when I walk into a property. Been doing this 20 plus years. I have some ideas. Oh, sure. We can. This is a fourplex. We can put tenants. We can clean up, put tenants in it. Like, how better can we utilize this space? What kind of tenants? Where should we attract them? Where is a treasure trove of reliable tenants that are willing to pay a, f a fair amount of rent and will appreciate the value we can provide? How do we take this liquor store and make it something different? I got to tell you, those of you that, that have know me or met me probably realize that I'm a history nerd. I really enjoy history. One of the reasons I came to Key West was history, and I'm here to tell you, I love studying the history of where I live, the area, the communities where I live. I just find that I get a kick out of that. I've always been that way. Even when we travel, I go to the local community. I would read his local history. My point is this. When I moved to Key West, I dug deep into Key West history. So I really dug into the fiber of the community over the last 200 years, what makes Key West tick. Key West is much more than Duval Street and the bars and the nightclubs and all that garbage. That is a very small piece of Key West. There's so much more to it. But more importantly, what does the city need? What problems can I solve? You know, I don't need to come up with a solution for homeless vets in Key West. And I, because, and I hear people say, well, I wanna, I'm going to be a real estate investor. I'm going to help homeless vets. Right, but you're broke. You can't help any homeless vets until you first build wealth. And then you can take that wealth and either donate it or put investments together that help other people. And if your community, like Key West, doesn't really need affordable housing for homeless vets because we don't really have a homeless vet problem in Key West. So that's not a solution that makes sense. If you're going out to Colorado and you want to provide, uh, I don't know, housing to alpaca ranchers, well, they don't have that problem in in Colorado because in Colorado they also have green space and land. And alpaca ranches have lots of acreage. And they put one of those porter buildings on there and they put the alpaca ranchers in the building or they build themselves a cabin. So that's probably not a 
uh, a niche thing that you want to waste your time trying to provide housing for because they're good to go. But the uh, everyone else that needs reliable housing in, in Salinas, Colorado, or Fort Collins, Colorado, or Denver, or L.A., or whatever it may be, there's a need, if there's a clear need and a stream of people that need it, and it makes sense, reach out to your local government. Mike, we've that's been a lot of what we've done. It's worked for us time and time again. Thoughts? It has, yeah. And I know there's probably a lot of listeners thinking like, well, what? What can I possibly do with this? So right. Tyler and I were talking about this before we recorded this, right? So in the next few podcasts, we want to bring on the experts and learn ourselves about these different options. Yes. Uh, co-living. Co-living is a right. term that I just learned about two weeks ago, actually. <laughs> what is that all about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm interested about it. I'm yeah. intrigued. So we want to help you guys, but we're going to bring on some experts to talk about the different options that besides the usual long-term, short-term rent, uh, assisted living facilities. Let's bring in someone who has experience with that so can teach us about that option. So looking forward. I hope you guys join us because we're going to have some really good interviews coming up, looking at these outside-the-box options, which that's where the money is. That's what everybody wants. That solves the problems of the local community, city council, and your tenants. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what creates sustainable returns. I'm going to leave it right there, guys. We're going to wrap up this episode this week. But I hope you found value in this. And I hope that driving down the street in your local market that you stick your head out the door, maybe instead of driving to work one day, maybe pull over and walk a couple blocks, look around, see the way the current assets in the community are being utilized. If they're being underutilized or underappreciated, maybe you can change that. Maybe you can control an asset on a lease, a master lease, and then have uh, investors fund a rehab and provide housing where it's needed. And notice I didn't use the word affordable. It doesn't always have to be affordable. People need housing, period. It doesn't always have to be affordable. But that all begins by getting off the couch, getting out there, trying different things, asking questions, and surrounding yourself with the right team. Guys, this concludes week. today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.